This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 and made it to Friday afternoon, April 21st. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The profile of the metaverse has dropped in recent months. We'll get an update on the formerly hot commodity in our next segment. But right now, artificial intelligence is becoming a staple at restaurant drive throughs Let's find out what's happening from R.J. Hadevi, the head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Place. AI in Chicago. RJ, thanks for joining us today. And, and we're kind of picking up a discussion that we uh, had during the AI friend or foe uh, panel discussion a couple of days ago, and that is uh, artificial intelligence uh, can be used in one in two very concrete ways, in one gimmicky way, in making a fast food restaurant more efficient and more responsive to customers. Yeah, honestly, I think there's probably more uh, use cases we're starting to see in the uh, the restaurant case. But you know, more specifically, your question, Rob, that we are definitely seeing some use cases uh, where, particularly for some of the more mundane tasks that uh, you know labor and crews uh, restaurants would need to operate with, uh, you know, taking orders. That's been a you know sore spot, uh, especially with labor shortages in the industry. We started to see AI come in as a solution for that. Uh, groups like Converse Now and Presto, who've done a very good job building out a platform. Uh, in a lot of cases. You are talking to an AI platform. The voice on the other end of that that order is is a robot in a lot of cases, or increasingly so. And I think that's going to continue to change, and we're seeing some evolution with it too. Press has got a solution that allows you know celebrity voices to take the order, uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll see more. Uh, but beyond that too, even just things like you know back of the house, uh, man producing the food itself, we're starting to see robots come in. Um, you know, Chippy, the uh, the chip robot for uh, for Chipotle is a good example of that. Uh, Nisa Robotics produced that. Uh, so there's a lot a lot of good examples out there where we're starting to see automation and uh, AI really, you know, come into the, the restaurant, uh, you know, particularly at a time where it's been harder to find staffing for those restaurants. So, and, uh, I th- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that uh, AI is really doing right now is it allows any business to just analyze the billions of data points that come in uh, in a rather quick and efficient way. So it helps the restaurant chain uh, make things faster and a lot more efficient because you can analyze how customers use it, how employees are utilized, uh, lots of things that in the past could have required a, a year-long study. Yeah, and that's exactly what a solution like our our, our- Placer AI platform does is analyzes a lot of visitation trends to coming into these different or in an individual location at the chain or the competition to really make your business more efficient. You know, things like helping you pick the best site, where are the most optimal sites for picking up visitors, where are the best places to market to your customers. Um, you know, are you able to get uh, enough tra- or the transactions uh, through uh, during peak hours more efficiently than your competitors? And it is, I think that's really where we're seeing a lot of uh, advances in the AI front right now is this ability to take a 
vast quantity of data and a lot of you know, transactional data, a lot of visitor data, and really compile this and make your, your operation a lot more efficient. I think that's kind of where we're seeing a lot of gains within the, uh, the restaurant category at this time. And then lastly, uh, celebrity voices taking your order at the drive-thru. Are there real-world examples of this and, and what celebrities have uh, lent their voices to taking your order? Yeah, I think it's more kind of a, at the exploratory phase. Again, a group called Presto, which does some of the um, you know uh, the AI order taking uh, platform as well, uh, has been experimenting with this too. But I don't think it's been fully rolled out at this point too. And uh, as we talked about during the panel this week, I think there's some some risk of uh, you know trying to you know impersonate a celebrity as well. So I think there's some some legal things that need to be worked out before that happens. But you know, again, with the right endorsement, I think we could start to see celebrity voices at the uh, drive-through window, uh, and not and not too distant. Well, uh, the late, great Gilbert Gottfried was uh, one of the higher grossing uh, celebrities on Cameo. And uh, if his uh, estate is up for it, I'd love to see some (laughs) restaurant uh, use his voice to take your order. It'd be a very pleasant experience. Yeah, it could be. I, I think it'll be very interesting to see uh, how how people are going to interact at the drive-through window, and you know whether or not we go too far on that front too. But I, I do think there's an opportunity to to make restaurants more efficient with AI, not just at the drive-through window, but really across uh, every operational aspect. R.J. Hadavi, head of analytical research at the foot traffic analysis firm Placer AI, based in Chicago. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Questions are being asked about the future of the metaverse, which has seemingly cooled off in recent months. Let's get the latest from Michael Wolf, founder and CEO of Activate Consulting, former president of MTV, based in New York. Michael, thanks for joining us today. The metaverse, or well, the metaverse or Web3 or augmented reality, whatever you want to call it, um, it seems to be going through a bit of bad press lately. And a lot of it is tied up in the fact that Facebook really hitched their wagon to it and renamed the company and rebranded. And they're having a really hard time with it. But uh, setting Mark Zuckerberg aside, what is the state of the metaverse or augmented reality these days? Well, somehow, somehow everybody believes that um, all of the companies are going to turn <clears throat> their attention away from metaverse to AI, and and that let's not let's not um, worry about the metaverse. In a lot of ways, the metaverse now matters more than ever. But one of the reasons is <clears throat> it's not a question of is it AI versus metaverse. It's not an either or. It's the two together. So. AI will significantly expand the user base, but also you've got um, metaverse features that will go will now be easy. You now have it so that people can actually create their their, their own metaverses. They can create the avatar that they want to have, and in a way they wouldn't have been able to do. You now have a, you you're now going to have hundreds of millions of of developers for the metaverse. And it seems like what we're calling the metaverse or augmented reality is the melding of a number of disciplines that we have all been living with for quite some time, whether it was someone who had a second life avatar way back when, someone who was in The Sims, uh, someone who was putting their, uh, has an online persona on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, and that's all of us. We don't put everything online. We just, uh, we put on, we put on the best version of ourselves or whatever we think is the best version of ourselves. So we're playing in that space to begin with. 
and that it seems like the 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 influencers and the bored apes and the people who were uh, touting the metaverse about a year and a half ago kind of confused the discussion of where it's going. Well, you're right that they confused the discussion because they somehow equated metaverse with VR and AR. And they're, so here's the numbers. You have between Roblox, Minecraft, and Fortnite, and World of Warcraft, you have, you have 300 million people who are spending a great deal of their lives in a major vir- virtual world metaverse game. We forecast by 2025, there's going to be 750 million people in those environments. How, how can you view this as, how can you ignore this and how can you view it, it it's not going to happen? And then very quickly, now that you have, let's say, you go a couple of years down the road, you do have these hundreds of millions of people uh, inside an AR environment. Uh, is you know, What are some of the business opportunities and what are some of the potential societal costs? Well, first of all, they don't have to be in AR. That's the mistake that, that Meta made, that they were defining a metaverse based on on virtual reality, on buying a headset. Uh, and, and in reality, what, what, what it is, is uh, most of this is happening today in flat screen environments. So the, the games I just mentioned, they're immersive metaverse worlds, but, but, but they are all flat screen. You don't need a, a VR headset or an AR headset to experience them. The business opportunities are going to be around companies selling their products inside of metaverse environments, holding events, bringing people together for social interactions, um, using it as a place to create collectibles. All of those things are going to come together. When you've got in each of the worlds I've just described, when you have on average people spending 10 hours a month in them, and in many cases people spending 30 hours a week, then you suddenly have, and you're going to go from 300 million today to 750 million, you suddenly believe this is going to be a fertile ground to communicate with people, to sell them stuff, to create your own economies inside of these these environments. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Michael Wolf, founder and CEO of Activate Consulting, former president of MTV based in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next, what you need to know about mortgage insurance and how it could ultimately save you money. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. You can put down a smaller than 20% down payment on the purchase of a home, but that will likely mean you'll need some mortgage insurance. Let's learn more from Brian Wickard, president and owner of Accudet Mortgage based in Waukesha. Brian, thank you for joining us today. How do you make the math work between the mortgage insurance payment and uh, and and the amount you would have paid on your mortgage if uh, you just put the 20% down? Well, sure. Uh, Mortgage insurance is something that homeowners have grumbled about and kind of love to hate since it was invented back in 1957. But in the hands of a skilled mortgage practitioner, 
Uh, mortgage insurance is an awesome tool because, first of all, it allows you to buy a home sooner. You know, the number one uh, obstacle to buying a home today is accumulating down payment. If you're a first-time home buyer in America, uh, you can buy uh, your first home with as little as 3% down and get this, a mortgage amount up to, are you ready, $726,000. And then what's your monthly payment under those circumstances? I mean, it's always something, it sounds great, and then, then, then you, you find out, uh, sure. you, then, then you yeah. deduct what you're paying every month from what you're making, and the shine is off that particular, uh, that, that yeah. particular offer. Well, Let's let's go uh, more normal. I have an example uh, worked up here for us to talk about. Median sales price in the Chicago area is about three hundred thousand dollars. If somebody were to put down three percent and they had seven twenty credit, which is about the fourth best credit tier, but if their income was under eighty five thousand dollars a year, they qualify for some special Fannie Mae thirty year fixed financing. The mortgage insurance component of their payment would only be ninety five bucks a month. If they have, uh, you know, if they make two hundred thousand dollars a year, the mortgage insurance for that two hundred ninety-one thousand dollars purchase would be one hundred and thirty-three dollars a month. So, compare that to waiting, God knows how long, to accumulate the other seventeen percent down payment, and you can see why people want to use mortgage insurance. Even people, check this out, Rob, even people with 20% down, my son just helped somebody beat out 17 other offers because he had 20% down and he um, is not going to put 20% down. You know why? Why is that? Yeah, thank you. You're my (laughs) Ed McMahon. (laughs) How hot is it, Brian? Oh, let me tell you how hot it is. Okay, the reason is because he has something else he wants to do with that money like maybe fix up the house and the higher your credit scores. Remember I gave you a quote here with using 720 credit, the higher your credit score, the cheaper the cost of the mortgage insurance because you're a better credit risk. And after all, the mortgage insurance is there to protect the investor uh, from loss due to foreclosure. All right. And so the home buyer pays for that as an inducement for that investor to still purchase a loan with only 3% down rather than requiring the safer 20% down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it certainly does. Brian. So, so go ahead. Well, as you say, I mean, uh, we, we, we honed this act uh, 10 years ago on the radio in Milwaukee. So that's why uh, it, it works so well. Uh, Brian Wickert, owner and president of Accident Mortgage in Waukesha. Thank you for joining us today. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, making the move from taco seller to taco restaurant owner. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. Chicago police announced stepped up security and monitoring this weekend after violence in the loop last weekend. A Supreme Court ruling on the abortion pill is expected this afternoon or evening. In Entrepreneur Friday, we meet the owner of a taco restaurant with a new brick and mortar location on the near west side. And it can take a long time to pay off student loans. We'll talk about 
about putting together a realistic plan. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 29 points. The NASDAQ is down 6. The S&P 500 is down 3. We have 54 degrees right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies going up to 64. It's 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, Chicago police are stepping up patrols and closely monitoring social media in an effort to prevent violent gatherings by young people like those that plague the downtown area last weekend. Here's WBBM's Nancy Hardy. The department says it will be using its strategic decision support centers and police cameras to watch for crime in real time and post officers. Police will also be monitoring social media in addition to steps announced earlier this week about bag checks at beach entrances and curfew at Millennium Park. This follows what it calls reckless, disruptive and violent behavior last weekend. The department warned of potential arrests and encouraged parents to stay with their children, as well as renewing the department's commitment to offer safe spaces for young people. Nancy Hardy, 105.9 WBBM. Supreme Court justices are set to rule whether access to a widely used abortion pill will be restricted. The Supreme Court set a self-imposed deadline of tonight to decide whether access to mifepristone will stay unchanged or become more restricted while there's a challenge to its Food and Drug Administration approval. The FDA approved the drug in 2000, and since then, it has relaxed its use, extending access from 7 to 10 weeks of pregnancy and allowing the drug to be mailed to patients. Those relaxed rules could be tightened. Adding to possible confusion, a federal judge in Washington has ordered the FDA to preserve access to mifepristone under the relaxed rules in 17 Democratic-led states and the District of Columbia that filed a separate lawsuit. Donna Water, Washington. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red. We're joined by Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland. The website is earningscout.com. Nick, thanks for joining us today. And it's a slightly down week for the big three financial indices because while the earnings reports that are coming in are decent, uh, they are showing signs that uh, there's some profit pressure going on. There is. uh, And we've had 89 companies in the S&P 500 report. And last week we heard from uh, bigger banks and they were doing a little fine. This week we heard some, some of the regional banks. And they're not doing as well, so it brought the numbers down a little bit. But we're still seeing 76% of companies beating estimates that on the earnings front. That's about normal. The one thing that's disappointing, we're only seeing 62% of companies beat on the top-line sales. And that's normally about 74 75%. So we're seeing a better-than-expected but not as good as usual uh, from the earnings results thus far. Now, does that point to an economy that is merely slowing down or potentially sputtering into contraction? It's definitely one that's slowing down, there's no doubt. Uh, The remarkable thing here, though, that we're seeing, the second half estimates, they're not budging. So they're not being cut. And everyone has been anticipating there's going to be massive cuts, a big recession. We're just not seeing that on the earnings front. So it's either... The economy is much more resilient than people think, or the analysts on Wall Street are far too optimistic. Uh, It's one or the other, and uh, time will tell which is the correct answer. Now, this is no longer a publicly traded company, but there is a a great deal of discussion today, for sure, about the new policy at Twitter that does away with the 
blue check marks that uh, indicated that the person uh, whom you were speaking was actually the celebrity or athlete or influential person uh, they claim to be. And uh, from now on, if you want that blue check mark on Twitter, you have to pay for it. And a lot of the celebrities and influencers who were bringing people to the service in the first place are now saying thanks, but no thanks. And uh, what does that mean for uh, Twitter building and maintaining its user base going forward? Uh, it's quite possible that that policy may change. I've already seen that uh, Elon Musk has personally paid uh, the, the that blue checkmark fee for celebrities like Stephen King and LeBron James. So that might change because it will get often confusing uh, for some people to verify who they really are without that blue checkmark, for, for particularly the big names. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a policy we ch- see changed in the several weeks and months ahead. And the blue check mark was born out of litigation about 14 years ago when Tony Larusa, who was then the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, sued Twitter and won because someone was impersonating him. And that seems to be the big legal uh, kind of threat to the company, it would seem, that if you take away the verification from influential people, that uh, an impersonator could come along and harm that person reputation absolutely and and with technology just exploding with uh, artificial intelligence it might be very difficult in the future to uh, separate from fact from fiction and reality uh, pretty soon the way the technology is moving so fast and then very quickly to bring this back to a business discussion you know the the subscriber base and the amount of money you can get from eight dollars a month uh, paying for that blue check mark how does that stack up to advertising revenue and would it make it more attractive to advertisers they're going to have to really weigh the pros and cons of that right so i think it's an experiment uh to, to find out whether that blue check mark paying that enough will see celebrities flee off that to go to their social media platform uh, where revenues uh, dollars can go. So, like I said, that policy with the blue check mark uh, may turn out to backfire on Elon Musk and, t- and Twitter. Nick Raish, CEO of the Earnings Scout in Cleveland, the website earningscout.com. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, taking tacos from a catering kitchen to a permanent space. It's money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and as we move through the lunch hour, let's talk tacos. Welcome in Taylor Mason, founder and co-owner of Taylor's Tacos in Chicago, now in a physical brick and Order location, 1512 West Taylor Street on the near west side. Taylor, thank you for joining us today. And uh, Taylor, my first and most important question for you, uh, do you live every day like it's Taco Tuesday? Oh, you already know. I have tacos in every day that end in Y. Let's go. That introductory was amazing. Now, now this is a uh, this this is a a, a journey for you and for your business that is a long one and has lots of twists and turns and an evolution from a food truck to a catering kitchen to a brick and mortar location. So walk us through the history of of Taylor's Tacos. Man, it's been so fun. 2014, first taco ever made. I even decided to do it because I went to school in Southern California where I fell in love with the street taco and just the interaction right on the street, hot and juicy in your face. And I came to Chicago, and I mean, we have so much amazing food, but it's just not that authentic street style. And then I mixed it with my little soul and flavor, and that's how the Taylor's Taco was born. And so 2014, first one made. 2016, I took the 
like get the recipe right and we unofficially launched and unofficially meaning it was a hobby it was um it was fun i was the taco lady on the side but 2016 to 2018 and during that time i also met my beautiful wife maya and i you know we decided we're going to do this in 2018 we legalized took our, took our butts down to city hall got everything we needed so that we could become a real business we moved into the hatchery on the west side an incubator kitchen space that's making businesses thrive uh you know the originator of the ghost kitchen and thank god we were in there because then the pandemic came and that like it was it was a blessing and a curse a curse because we couldn't do what we loved which was serve people in their face be around everyone have, have a party you know and uh, we had to change that but for the better because now we offer taco kits we do taco bars we do all these things we wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the the for having to be locked in you know and thinking outside of the box and so come 2021 we had a space over in a different part of the city and a drunk driver drove into the front of our brick and mortar when we had moved in it would have been two weeks as you can imagine that was detrimental we were like oh my god what are we going to do so we moved into we decided to kind of once again pivot that was the the word of the year and we opened our own event space we're like we do we cater we we pop up why not pop up in our own space so we have this wonderful event space called tailored uh that's on 2451 south oakley and then a couple of, I mean, uh, about a year later now, we have our brick-and-mortar Taylor's Tacos, and it's a dream come true, literally living the dream. And then uh, just tell me a little bit about the, uh, the the leap of faith that anyone takes when they go into business for themselves. I mean, you probably thought you made, you, you, you made a mean taco yourself. You're probably proud to serve it to friends. Uh, how much kind of mental preparation do you have to take in order to present this to the public as something that people you think that you want them that they could pay for um i have to my only thing i have to say is entrepreneurship is not for the weak okay do your push-ups do your sit-ups get ready because it's going to take you on a wild ride and you just have to be ready to solve a problem every single day and you never know how it's going to come and what what it's going to look like but as long as you're growing and you have the passion and the desire to want to do it i mean anything's possible Taylor Mason, founder and co-owner of Taylor's Tacos, based in Chicago, 1512 West Taylor. And I just want to let you know, Taylor, uh, I am an alumnus of St. Ignatius College Prep, and I used to wait oh, for the okay. bus about uh, three blocks away from your current location. And it was a very different neighborhood in 1996. Where were you 27 years ago? Uh, you, you could have come in. You could, you could have done me a solid back then. Uh, not too much of a solid. I think I was about seven or eight. You know, I, I don't. I, I'm not exactly sure. But I, I grew up not too far, and I went to Whitney Young High School, so we're right there, neck and neck. You know. But come on by when you go visit there. You got to stop right on Taylor's Taco Chicago. Our grand opening is May 5th. Come on through. We're gonna have the extra juicy chicken, savory steaks. You know, we got everything ready for you to eat and love. Taylor Mason, founder and co-owner of Taylor's Tacos on the west side, 1512 West Taylor Street in Little Italy. Thanks for joining us today. And still to come, a new survey indicates to take up to 20 years to pay off student loans. will help you shave some time off that estimate. An economy of words. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Student loans can cast a financial shadow for years after graduation from college. Let's talk about strategies to handle
handle the debt with Craig Bolanos, founding partner and chief executive officer of the Wealth Management Group in Inverness and Downers Grove. Craig, thank you for joining us today. And student loans, a very emotional and politically potent issue, uh, as seen by the efforts by the Biden administration to uh, cancel up to uh, $10,000 of student loan debt uh, for many borrowers. First off, before we talk about uh, some strategies you can employ, what's the status of that right now? Um, I do know that there's been a three-year pause on repayments, uh, but where are we in terms of the uh, student loan debt relief program the White House announced a couple of months ago? Yes. Well, the oral arguments got made into the Supreme Court not that long ago, and everyone anticipates the Supreme Court's going to give a verdict sometime in early June. So hold with some bated breath. We probably are about six weeks out from finding the fate of whether or not the ten or 20000 forgiveness will be upheld constitutionally. And right now, uh, the, the student loan repayments, the federal student loan payments, were paused as part of the uh pandemic relief measures three years ago. So that means a lot of people just simply haven't paid them uh, since early 2020. No, that's right. You know, and there were some people that used the pause, used the abatement of interest to go ahead and attack those student loan debts with viciousness, with mass amounts of principal curtailment. But then the CARES Act, as you said, that went ahead and suspended these payments and then was renewed and was renewed and renewed. These payments have been out of sight, out of mind for an awful lot of consumers. And if they come back, it is absolutely going to slow some level of consumer spending because because the average college debt has tripled since the 1990s. What are some things you can do as a graduate and you are staring that potentially large and financially cumbersome student loan debt in the face? What can you do to, to knock that down or at the very least to take care of the interest? Well, I think everybody just needs to understand it's not sexy, it's not glamorous, but let's talk about it in the noon business hour. You have to have a budget when you come out of college, because if you don't tell your money where to go, you're going to wonder where it went, and whether you're on a standard repayment plan, a graduated repayment plan, an extended repayment plan, an income-based repayment plan, all those different choices, Rob, all of them require a budget to meet your obligations once the payments initiate, and a good budget budget will help people find that principal curtailment to hopefully get these knocked down quicker than the amortization schedule that would otherwise show. And then, Craig, very quickly, going in, if you are the parent of a college student who is uh, part of the class of high school class of 2023, is there a good ratio to have in mind of the amount of debt you should take on versus tuition versus the expected uh, salary from your career? Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy you said it. It's the total spend versus the expected salary or wage base that people are to command. And I think it just comes back to value. You know, no one wants to say no. No one wants to put college on hold. But I think people really need to look at the selections that they're making relative to the career track they anticipate and make sure there's value in exchange for the spend because this is the avalanche issue in American financial planning today. Craig Bolanos, founding partner, chief executive, Officer of the Wealth Management Group at Inverness and Downers Grove. Thanks for joining us today. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.